And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This, well, this is This Old Marketing, and it's wonderfully and most amazingly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 399 of our wonderful little show for Friday, October 27th, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, my colleague and a guy who... Well, he doesn't need Taylor Swift to basically attend his meetings to double his stats. Yes, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I think it would. <laughs> I think I would be at least twice as productive. Really? If if Taylor was if Taylor was standing right here, I I I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know, but I would I'm willing to try it. Yes. It, well, to, for those of it, so so what we're referring to for all of you out there who may not have seen this news item, Travis Kelsey, who is, of course, very famously now dating Taylor Swift. And occasionally, uh, it seems, Taylor Swift attends Travis's games, the Kansas City Chiefs games. And when she does, his stats double. So, conspiracy, basically? (laughs) Okay, so here's is she on the my, is she calling in plays? Is she the new offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, so first of all, I think the whole thing is adorable. A lot of it's people totally, are like all upset. Totally about adorable. It. I think it's great because it honestly feels like they're they have a really good thing going. I hope it works. Um, <laughs> so I'm really I'm rooting for them. I know a lot of people aren't. Oh, like, those there's two a lot scamps, of lot, lot of haters yeah. out there. There is but, a lot of haters out there. Yeah, but but this. This is what I've noticed, and you yes. correct me if I'm wrong. I okay. believe that when Taylor Swift is in attendance at a Kansas City Chiefs football game, yeah, they they call different plays. They call for more Kelsey plays, and that's well, the that's difference. almost certainly that's almost certainly the case because I mean whether it's correlation or causation, we don't know. But his, I mean, what's not in doubt is. His stats yeah. double. His Nine, number of yards double. Something his like number ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Ninety nine yards a game versus like fifty yards a game. That's right. When she's not present. So here's what happens: pregame, Andy reads there. He's got his clipboard. That's right. Yeah. All right, uh, staff. Let's get together. Is uh, is she here? They say yes. This she is. is here. This okay. is your Andy Reid impression. This is your Andy Reid impression. <laughs> I don't have an Andy Reid impression. Okay. Although I do yeah. like his commercial, his State Farm commercials. Yeah, he's, the, he's the, a pretty. Yeah. He's a pretty funny, yeah. funny cat. Um, so I, I think that he's, okay. Taylor's is here. Let's get out the secondary clipboard with the heavy Kelsey plays, and that's what they do. I think there that's it, is. it. I think that's it. I, I actually think it goes one step further. I think Taylor's in the locker room for the pregame meeting and saying, I think you should run this one and this one and this one and that one. <laughs> and, and they're all Travis. Plays, I love right? that. Is that your Taylor Swift impression? Yeah, that's my Is that yes. it? And this yeah, one? And this one? <laughs> and this and one? that one? And that one. Or you're going to have trouble, trouble, trouble <laughs> if, you <don't, laughs> if you don't do that. Um, anyways, I, oh, I'm all good. for it. And I, I think that it's... It's fantastic and and whatever, but yes. And what we almost what we almost talked about um, beyond the Travis and, and and is the the other news this week is of course that we now have a new speaker of the house. 
um, which is troubling and I guess good in a, I don't know, sort of weird way. I mean, well, I saw the guy, I know that I know it's a Republican, uh, from Louisiana. Uh, it's the shortest tenure for, or experience of of any that's ever held the speaker position but i saw mike johnson is the name and i'm like mike johnson i'm all in on mike johnson great linebacker for the cleveland browns uh, i mean mike johnson was amazing all pro many many years and then i go and i look at a picture and i said that's not mike johnson the linebacker no from the browns it so is I not was, i was actually quite really not i was actually quite disappointed yeah. i wanted uh uh emmer uh, to be the speaker who got, who was in line to get the speakership, but then Trump uh, on Truth Social like slammed him or something like that, and then immediately lost favor. And Emmer had to of back course. off. I wanted Emmer. Emmer's pro pro Bitcoin. So I'm like, whoever. That's like my number one vote right now. <laughs> whoever. <laughs> Whoever's pro, pro Bitcoin. That I was talking oh to my, my, my youngest uh, about that. And we were, I was like, hey, you know, like, how are you voting these days? I'm like, whoever the pro crypto person is, that's who I'm voting for. He's like, oh, that's great to know that all these, these big important issues are out there, dad. And you're voting for the pro crypto guy. So that that's is right. important. Yeah. It is financial it's freedom really not. is really important. It, it's really not. It's really not. <laughs> it's just really not that <laughs> important. Do you have yeah. any uh, feelings either way about linebacker Johnson taking uh, over the speakership? I'm troubled by the whole thing because of his because of his positions uh, on things, but um, I'm not surprised. Put it that way. Um, it, so, yes, yeah. I mean, for those, I was hopeful you, that saner heads would prevail yeah. and that they would actually pick someone who was not completely insane. Um, and it would seem that the small, um, what do they call them? The the they had they have a name for them. There's eight of them, and I can't remember what it is. Um, it's like the, it's not the hateful eight, but it's it's something like that. It's the something. It's it's that whole freedom caucus group. Yep. And I, they I basically, yeah. And I they basically won. About. They won. Yeah. They, they it, won. Yeah. They won. It's uh. It it is. Sad. And by the way, <clears throat> as everyone listening to this knows, we don't. We never get political on this show. Uh, but the fact that this guy has made a living off of uh, making sure that that a marriage can only be through with a man and a woman is, yeah, is a little bit. Yeah, uh, we it's a we, bridge we, too far. Both of us. That's we what we both say. Of, yeah, we're we're uh, I, I don't I don't understand that t- traditional family values have to be that way, according to. So that's the one thing I did read that he was a, an attorney and focused on many cases about making sure that those types of, of marriages were not allowed yeah. outside of, of just a man and a woman. So that's unfortunate. We, we need more openness, I think from, from that uh, scenario. Yeah. So I, so who, yeah. who knows? Uh, I guess the, the most important thing is maybe they're back to business. Now, hopefully maybe it's not. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get back to some business and actually, you know, take care of the housekeeping that's been, that's been, you know, I mean, literally the housekeeping that's been uh, stacking up since they've, and unable yeah. to select somebody. But so. is it? Is it? I we really did like the whatever the speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry. Is there not a better name for yeah. a congressperson? It's perfect. Than yeah. Patrick McHenry. <laughs> it sounds very United <clears throat> States ish. It is very it, patriotic. It, it, yes. Vote well. for Pat. It's it's like it's like the uh, distinguished gentleman. Vote for Jeff Johnson. 
A vote for Jeff Johnson is a vote for. <laughs> you remember that movie, <laughs> Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy? Oh my god! That gosh, was the yes, so that was go. the one oh. where Jeff Johnson yeah. was the Congressperson. Is is old uh, Caucasian gentleman? Yes. that passed away, That's and. Right. And nobody knew about it. So Eddie Murphy comes in, has no record of running for Congress at all. That's right. And basically comes in and uses his middle name, which is Jefferson, and runs as Jeff Johnson. And no, never, never, like all the commercials are just Jeff Johnson. And he gets the nomination. And right. anyways, if, if you want to see a really good movie from the early 90s that... Uh, I don't know if it's really good. Really, it's I was going to say I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Really good would it would I would go there, but with you, but yeah. it's hard to find that movie. I wanted <laughs> it's to, a I wanted, movie. It, it's hard to find. You can't find it on Netflix or anything yet. Yeah, well, there's watch a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Johnson. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. What else? Uh, what else we got going on uh, before we get started? We yes, we have to talk about this. Sorry, apologies to everyone, but both our teams are four and two. Yeah, going into week eight of the season, and this has not happened. We've this is episode three ninety nine, almost four hundred. Yeah, and I don't think there's ever been a time when our combined records were eight and four at this point in the season. So no, no, this is monumental. It's monumental for the Browns, that's for sure. There, there's this. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> oh, the Cowboys. We're always four and two or five yeah. and one. Yeah, it's it's the yes. It is the Browns. We yes, we got we've gotten lucky the past two I'm, weeks. But I keep telling it. you, week after week, the Browns is are they're good. That's a good team. It's a good team. We need a we need a quarterback. Yes, you do. They're gonna. Yes, it sounds do. like Deshaun Watson is now officially hurt. That's only good news for Browns fans. Yeah. Uh we don't have enough money. We gave him all the money. We don't have enough money to get well, all, all, I'm sug- all I'm suggesting, I'm not suggesting from a financial standpoint. I mean, <laughs> from an actual playing the game standpoint. Yes, that's good news. I was Brown. listening to the, so basically last week he was in the game very short period of time before he came out hurt. Uh, I'm not saying he wasn't hurt or was or I don't know anything about it, but I was listening to it on the radio and his last pass, he was one of five for five yards and an interception, which is mm. not great stat line. But the guy on the radio was was calling the game, said that, that interception throw. He said, there wasn't a lot on that throw. Like he was saying <laughs> that there was a problem with Deshaun's arm. Yeah. And it comes out this week that there's some kind of rotator cuff injury that a lot of pitchers get. I yeah. don't know. It, I'm sure probably. it's from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know what would probably fix it? Would be, a, a, you know, going <laughs> to get a good therapy. massage. Yeah, you know, a good massage, massage would probably fix it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if I I knew that was coming. Yeah, and, yeah. and deservedly so. Yeah. But you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. I would take anything. Yeah. But here, it's we we just need a competent. You know what? We need like a Trent Dilfer type quarterback. A, that's well, or Baker Mayfield. Ooh, too soon. <sighs> Baker would too soon. I don't think Baker would come back. No. If he's After not going to, happened. he's doing very, he's fine. Baker, down if Baker has Bay. any shred of dignity. He would not come back after what the, <clears throat> yeah. how they treated him in Cleveland. hundred percent. Even in those progressive, progressive commercials, he never got the keys to the stadium. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's terrible. That's true. It's terrible. That Anyways, absolutely what, true. what kind of show we got going we on? Got a good week. show. Uh, we have a fun show uh, to talk a little bit about, um, which is we'll talk, we'll start. 
uh, and we'll talk a little bit about X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm just going to, that's, I think that's the official name now, X, to, formerly yeah, known as Twitter. I think it is. Uh, and, and by the way, for those of you who are watching this on video, um, you will notice that uh, I am now sort of purporting or, or promoting my threads channel i'm out i'm fully out on twitter i am i am out 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 we could talk a little bit about that if you want yeah i want to hear <clears throat> can we talk about it now did sure. you close your account i have not closed the account yet only because i was going to wait um until my blue because uh, i quit blue i canceled it but i'm still up till november or whatever um and i was just going to see how things go for the rest of this month but yeah it's uh, at, at some point soon i will actually delete fully delete my account because i just i'm done <clears throat> there's no there i think because of well <clears throat> but probably the the same reasons where i took my break or earlier this year on twitter but but basically the 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 net of it is i did so the reason i liked twitter were for two primary reasons one i enjoyed the content i enjoyed the feed right so my followers as well as those that i followed the conversation, the content there was a great place for me to sort of keep up, right? Show ideas, you know, all kinds of things that would, would come through that feed. That's gone. My feed is now completely devolved. It's, you know, and there's a lot of that is because a lot of people have left. A lot of the sort of, you know, people that, you know, I follow have just completely, you know, gotten off of Twitter full stop. But some of that is also because of the algorithm and the way it works now. It's like it's all Elon, all politics, all, you know, just ickiness um, all the time now. So my for you feed is just gone. Just just it's just gone. The second reason and the uh, probably the main marketing reason that I was on Twitter was because it was a significant traffic driver to my content, my owned media. So, so it was basically built to pull in people to my blog or to my website or those kinds of things. And it used to be the number one, uh, my Twitter feed used to be the number one traffic uh, generator, organic traffic generator Outside to, referrals, the, so to the website. Yep, was exactly. One. Okay, interesting. <clears throat> I did a test over the last six weeks. I just stopped posting to Twitter full stop. I would reply to things or I might say something, you know, have a comment on something, but I stopped posting my original content. Looked at my traffic analytics and traffic was it actually went up weirdly my traffic went up but but my twitter traffic changed not a bit so meaning that any whatever traffic i'm now currently getting from twitter has nothing to do with me sharing any content it's all people other people sharing my content um so basically that means there's no reason for me to be there anymore and and at that point it's like yeah i'm just gonna i'm, I'm not gonna waste my time so I'm going all in on threads. I'm going to I'm going to start playing there and I will tell you I had one post on threads with this week and it got more engagement than I've gotten on Twitter all year. Uh, it has it it has been improving. Yeah, I've it's, been it's, sort of watching from yeah. afar, not really doing anything on either platform, but I would say that there is, and we'll talk about this in a second, but yeah, yeah. it's interesting to see where threads is going. Thank you for yeah. that detail. Well, well, I know it's yeah. our first story up, but what else, what else are we covering today? So, yeah. So we're going to talk about X and where the, this is actually kind of breaking news, right? Where, where the usage numbers are now out confirming a lot of what we actually talked about last week. So we'll, so we'll get into that and then we'll get into the fact that, well, meta is up to its eyeballs in lawsuits. It seems like everybody is suing 
the platform these days. And now dozens of U.S. states are following suit and talking about how that's harming the mental health of young people. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then sort of following on sort of an, in a thematic way, we'll talk about trust in media. So the new Gallup poll is out and trust in media is as low as it's ever been. So we'll talk about what are some of the ramifications for that in marketing as well as content creation. And then, of course, we'll add on to a story there because there's also a study out <clears throat> that talks about how B2B buyers, they don't trust uh, software providers or technology providers content. And so that sort of fits into that sort of idea. And we'll talk about that. Then we'll get to our rants and rave section where, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to have a rave and a rant and I'll rave a little bit about a new local voucher uh, for from the government in Washington, D.C. and how that might fund local journalism. Uh, very interesting program there. And then also I'll rant a little bit about you know, an article that talks about how marketing needs better marketing. It's like, oh boy. Okay. All right. That's, let's talk about That's that. That's so meta. <laughs> and then you, you're going to, you're going to rave about TikTok, which is very surprising. I have a, um, a short rave on TikTok. Yes. Yeah, and I have okay. a, and I have a little commentary slash rave on uh, some B2B content creation stuff that I'm finding very interesting. So I'll go into some, some detail about that. So that will that, be fun. It's so, going to be it's going to be a chock a block full show. Of is chock a block a real world? Re, it, real word? It, it is a real word. It is a re real word. It's in it's, the Webster's official dictionary. Pretty sure. Pretty or just the Urban Dictionary. No, no, no. I think chock a block chock -a -block. is definitely yeah, yeah. Okay. Chock a block right. with chuckleheads. That's what we should name the show now. Chock a block. Nobody with wants chuckleheads. This. Nobody, nobody <laughs> asked for it. There it Nobody's is. Nobody's going to do it. There it is. All right. Let's get to our first story, <laughs> shall we? It comes That's to us good. courtesy of Axios. And as I mentioned, it is really breaking news. It's it's It, it literally appeared uh, in the feed a couple of hours before we went to record this show. And <clears throat> the article's headline is X, Twitter, Worldwide App Downloads is, well, let's just say in the toilet. Um, it has really just gone downhill over the last year. And the article opens up by saying X, formerly Twitter, has hemorrhaged users and advertisers in its first year under Elon Musk's ownership, according to new data provided to Axios. Investors who backed the deal hoped Musk's track record and vision would supercharge X's popularity and value. That has not happened, at least in the short term. Well, that's, I think in the long term is safe, too. But OK, in the short term, <laughs> Fidelity, one equity backer, was holding Twitter at 61 percent discount through the end of August. Ouch. Uh, banks are expected to take a 15 percent discount on debt. They've thus far been unable to unload per The Wall Street Journal uh, by the numbers. App downloads fell roughly 38% between October and September. Uh, usage has decreased with active users falling 14.8% globally and 17.8% in the U.S. Uh, average time spent daily user fell 2%. Uh, sessions dipped 4%. User churn, or basically users who stopped using the app, I'm raising my hand there, uh, increased actually more than 30%. So basically 30% more churn year over year as per last year. And web traffic was down 7% globally and 11.6% in the US. However, as the article points out, this was my favorite part of the whole article, there were some bright spots. This is the best. Global first-time downloads of X were flat in the past year compared to the year <laughs> prior. 
Oh, that's really good. And the best uh, one. And the best one, the best bright spot. And I just know the the writer was sort of juicily writing this. Traffic to Elon Musk's personal profile and posts were up 96% year over year in September. What a great thing to put in a release. Right? I love it. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. CEO Linda Yaccarino has claimed that the platform had half a billion users all over the world showing up multiple times per day. But where? Well, uh, yeah. How? How does how does Yaccarino yeah. know this? She does not know this. She Where is she getting this, this data from? She she well, she's probably being told this. So Elon, um, what can I say? Okay. Yeah. Multiple times a day from a half a billion users. Okay, check. Yeah. That's right. That's well, that's basically the refresh on your app. You're going to hit the Twitter to refresh the feed and feed the email that automatically goes out. So it's not humans doing that. But anyway, and what do you think? What, I mean, I mean, is Twitter dead? I mean, are we just are we are we finally going to see the death of Twitter? No, no, no. I, I early next be- year. No, Twitter is not dying. It is changing, though. Uh, it's actually to what? into what? OK, so. Let me put it to you this. Let's say you have an email newsletter. Let's say your email newsletter goes out to 10,000 no, people. I can't wait but, to hear this. this but you stop promoting it. Okay. And right. it just, and you stop promoting it. And yep. you're just going to the same people all the time. Well, you naturally have a number of people unsubscribe from that, but your audience never grows, never changes. just the same people. That's what's happening sure. to Twitter right now. They're not adding new people. They're keeping, they obviously, they had a bunch of people like yourselves, let's leave the platform. So you have a smaller base and that base seems to be learning or talking about a lot of the same things. And I, I mean, I, it's hard not to look at a, a, many of the articles that talk about the new Fox news being Twitter. It's gone. It's leaning more right. And, and a lot of that is because 96% traffic increase to Elon's profile. That's what Elon is a little bit right wing. So they're getting, they're getting that kind of news. Yeah, but and- that's just the algorithm. I mean, that, I think that's the, I mean, we've talked about this, this many times on the show where one of the reasons that Twitter worked and truth social and the others didn't is because if you get everybody in a room together that agree on things, then ultimately there's nothing to talk about. And so part of the reason the Twitter worked was because of the 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 friction created, right? So sure. people shouting at each other uh, and disagreeing and flaming each other. And so part of the reason that you got so much high engagement there on Twitter was because of how easy it was to get into skirmishes, right? Verbal skirmishes. And if that's gone, I just don't see, I, you know, I see it, hap- you know, you can see it sort of degrading to become a truth social where everybody agrees with each other. And then what's there to talk about? I mean, other than to go, you know, praise Elon for all of his things that he does. Well, I don't think we're to that point yet. And even on the truth, uh, social standpoint, I, I got an email from truth social saying that, uh, Donald Trump welcomed Joe Biden to the truth social network last week. So that was interesting, uh, that, that the president of the United States is on truth social now. So they, well, I mean, they, ever- they did it for, they did it for the laws, right? I mean, they, they, you know, they, they, you know, I mean, it's a, I think it's a very smart campaign move, but it's the campaign, right? Remember, it's the campaign that's on t- Truth Social, not not POTUS, right? I, I, and so, I, well, I mean, it's Joe Biden. 
it's the Biden campaign. Yeah. So it's not Joe Biden. It's tweet. not Joe it's, Biden. It is the Biden. See, I, the, I you know, I read the, the headline. It said, welcomes Joe Biden. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but it's the, it's the Joe Biden campaign. I mean, it's dark Brandon that, you know, if you go look at their feed, it's definitely they're, they're trolling. They're, yeah. they're, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think the last tweet was the fact that they now have more followers than, than Trump does on truth oh, social something or something like that. Like that. So, I mean, it's just crazy, but, but it's, let's, let's just put it out there for the people listening to this. Can, can X still serve as a marketing channel? If you invest a large amount of time in it and do it a certain way, the answer is yes. But I think Boy, you I and I are willing to anymore. do that. I don't think that's true anymore. I, I really I don't. At, if I look at, at content entrepreneurs like Tim Stoddard, Jay Klaus, Justin Welsh, they are killing it on Twitter, killing it. And they're ultimately getting, you can't link to anything anymore because if you link to something, you're not, you're going to get hidden. So it's got to be this no link social strategy where somebody becomes interested in you and they trust you for whatever you're doing. And most of these, most of them are threads where they're putting out, basically it's an article and they're doing it in 10 or 12 or 14 different tweets. And if you become interested enough, you end up following them or clicking back to their site. You have to go to their profile to do that. So that's where the link comes in and you have to go all the way back to the profile. So the most important place for you, based on, you know, you sending out your content, this the most important place for a click. The only place for a click is your profile. That's the way you do it. So if you're out there and you have a, a Twitter X strategy of sending out a link that goes to your article or your blog post or your podcast, you're getting nothing. You're getting no algorithm help and it's going to hurt your overall strategy. So you have to figure out something like Jay and Justin have done and make sure that you are basically putting in no link content that is truly, truly helpful, at least in the marketing case, at least in, in our area. Well, that's a fair point. I mean, while you were talking, I went out and looked at Jay's profile, right? So he's got fewer followers than I do, but he's getting way more the, yeah 10x the engagement that i get right mm -hmm. i mean easily 10x the engagement that i get on any of my stuff and then you're right most of his posts are basically threads on you know and, and which is most of his content anyway here's what i did to be you know here's he he sort of runs his business very transparently which is amazing of him and 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 very uh smart um but basically he says here's what i'm doing right now to be yep. successful and so he's you know, he's basically, you know, his the what I'm seeing now is his pinned tweet from January of this year is still getting traction, right? You know, so he basically his his pinned tweet of what he's done is is uh, is is getting so, so the, traction. the point the point is that if you want to invest a lot of time into X, fair enough, and you have a very strong strategy like these people we just talked about do. You can make it work, but we can't do it the way we're obviously we were given a gift years ago by all the social networks. There's not any social networks out there that, that are going to reward you in any way if you link to something. But I just I keep seeing like I, I mean, I, I keep using the content marketing world as a great sort of barometer here. Right. Which is, you know, so the data is in from content marketing world and Twitter usage was down by 60%, right? Across the entire event, not just me, not just me and my little keynote, but across the across the board was down 60%. LinkedIn was up 20%. Okay. So 
it's just fa- that that is a shift. That's a that's an undeniable shift, right? Of a marketing community that is leaving or doesn't care about Twitter and is moving to LinkedIn or or other platforms. I I think that that for our audience of marketers, that's totally fair and that's the right move. Yeah, because you get away from the vitriol that's on X and any of the political. Fair enough. And yeah. honestly, I mean, if you listen to people like you've got, you know, Kara Swisher and and Galloway, they don't want to spend any money or help Elon. I mean, it's a very personal. They're like anti Elon. Sure. And there's sure. a lot of people I'm, that feel that yeah. way. So. For me, it was it, it. It had nothing to do with. I mean, Elon's a man child, and and I, you know, have issues with it. But my leaving Twitter had very little to do with Elon, and mostly to do with the what the impact that he's had on the what used to be one of my favorite networks to to use. Well, and it's just it's just demonstrably bad now. It's just I mean, I can I can show I can absolutely demonstrably show with data and with actual screenshots that the platform for me has gotten worse, like demonstrably worse. That I hear what you're saying. And the same for me. I mean, you know, I basically tweet once a week if I'm lucky on that platform, but I'm just saying if you, if you said, if somebody said to you that you only had X, that was it. And you had to make it work. You could make it work. You could invest a number, um, a huge amount of time, and I don't have to invest that much time into LinkedIn to get, I can do one really good quality post a day on LinkedIn and respond to comments and respond to other people totally. and, and get a lot out of LinkedIn. And I have to do, I think 10 X more on Twitter to make it work until I get that. Cause I, I got, I mean, as in your case, like all of the people that have followed us over these years, like we, they don't see any of our stuff anymore. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rephrase that. So I'm looking at Jay's feed now. Yeah, he's his. So his regular posts, like what he's, he looks like he's posting once a day, once or twice a day, right? And he's, you know, to your point, he's he's posting, you know, the same stuff that he always posts, right? You know, here's here's how you here's yeah. how here's how you be me, basically. Here's how you sure. you know here's what I'm doing, right, to succeed he's not getting that much more engagement than I was getting at the end of the day. Right. You know, so the pin tweet is getting amazing. His pin thread is getting amazing engagement, well, but I think on a day to day basis, he's not getting that much. But more. I, I agree with mm-hmm. that. But on a, on an occasion he gets, like, he gets a viral post in there that just goes crazy. And right. so the same thing for Tim. So we all, the same, I mean, same I mean, for Justin Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. But you have to do all the work in the meantime and to have the regular posts do their regular thing to even have the opportunity for viral. Yeah. To have true. So anyway, I mean, you know, and then who knows what viral thing you're going to get by doing it too. The the issue. So just to to wrap this whole thing up with X, the issue is, is that they're not growing their audience and it works for a very few people. You got a lot of lurkers still that are out there, which is fine but they're never going to be able to drive the amount of advertising that they they dro- drove in the past. And this com- company is valued at, at least according to Fidelity, 40% of what it was. Yeah. I mean, at some point, it's going down. To, at some point, Elon has to make a decision, which is going to be... Does he? Yeah. At some point, he has to make a decision because I have to think that at some point, the banks just want this off their books. They're, they're just going to want this off their books. And so 
they either Maybe. they have to declare BK or or he has to buy all. He the has debt. to buy them out. I think yeah. that I think that's probably what happens is he gets a discount. He buys them back, and they yeah. say, you know, forget it. We made a ton off you on Tesla. We'll forgive you. That's right. This little Twitter thing. X thing, that's right. Whatever. So, um, yeah. well, speaking of not going BK, um, we should probably pay a couple of bills. <laughs> and let's do that now. <laughs> You know, here at This Old Marketing, we like our football and football metaphors. And something magical happens when the third quarter ends and the fourth quarter begins. The energy changes. The fourth quarter is where games are won, where champions are made, and in business, it's where sales teams become legends. That's why HubSpot built Sales Hub, to give sales reps the deal-making tools they need to win in Q4 and close the year strong. Sales Hub's prospecting workspace organizes your schedule, goals, and to-do list all in one place to save your team precious fourth quarter time. Smart sequences help sales reps close deals faster than ever. And with an easy-to-use deal management tool, reps can find, track, and close deals all in one place. Plus, AI forecasting helps you accurately predict future success. That means less hoping for deals and more crushing targets. Put your sales teams on the fast track to winning Q4 with Sales Hub. You can learn more at HubSpot.com slash sales. Let me tell you about a podcast that I think you're really going to love. It's called Marketing Made Simple, and it's hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson, and of course brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Now, Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips, and it's going to make your marketing easy, and more importantly, well, it's going to make it work. For example, on one of the more recent episodes I listened to, I love that they talk about specific things that you can do in the fourth quarter to make your marketing work. I mean, we all know that the fourth quarter is where things get, well, let's just say interesting, right? But they focused this episode on some practical things that you can do to make the fourth quarter fantastic. Just a great podcast. And you can, of course, listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. So go try it out, won't you? It's Marketing Made Simple. I love, I like I, that little, like, uh, I don't know. It feels like snow's falling or something like that. The music. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's I'm, I'm actually quite rested. I'm calm. I wasn't calm before, but now no, I no, am it's, because it's, yeah. I listened to the background music that you put together for that wonderful ad. You know what I'm really into these days is the, there's, um, uh, there's a thing called binaural beats. I don't, have you ever have you seen this? Ever heard of this? No, I have not heard of it. But so I'm there's it when I'm turning on music and I want to work, right? So it's very hard for me to work with music on because I get into music, right? I get into I want to sing or I want to you know get into the music and I that distracts me. So I need like background music that doesn't distract me. And so when I I found this <clears throat> this concept called binaural beats, which are there's different frequencies that you can sort of tune into, you know, one for concentration, one for focus, one for uh, relaxation, one for, you know, there's, they, they have all sorts of different sort of things that you can, you can listen to. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on Apple music to a certain degree. And they're just really nice. It's just, it's, it's, it's a little bit like that, like what we just listened to, but it's a little more tones and stuff. It's really awesome. I, what's I've, the I've, what's the name of the thing where you you listen to the whispering? 
the oh ASMR. Yeah. ASMR. That's yeah. so this is different than ASMR. Oh yes. Oh yeah. This is different than ASMR. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. Yeah, it's just scratching on the microphone or the finger. I know, I know some people that are really into the AS- ASMR uh, stuff. No. All right, we should probably not go down that road too far. Yeah, <laughs> I, hey, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I am an ignorant soul when it comes to that type. I'm of stuff. sure you're Ignorance not. Ignorance is I'm bliss. sure you're not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Okay, what do we got next? <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story, which comes to us courtesy of Reuters. Although, just about everybody is covering this because it is big news. Uh, Meta's Instagram uh, has been linked to depression. Uh, I think Facebook is included in this as well. I think it's Meta generally. It's, although, uh, in- Instagram seems to be the big one, though. That right? uh, seems to be the one where they're they're really focusing in on yeah. because I guess that's where more kids are. Uh, and basically, the article opens up by saying dozens of U.S. states are now suing Meta platforms and its Instagram unit, accusing them of fueling a youth mental health crisis by making their social media platforms addictive. In a complaint filed on Tuesday, that's Tuesday of this week as we record, the attorneys general of 33 states, including California and New York, uh, said Meta, which also operates Facebook, repeatedly misled the public about the dangers of its platform and knowingly induced young children and teenagers into addictive and compulsive social media use. As the quote uh, from uh, the uh, complaint says, Meta has harnessed powerful and unprecedented technologies to entice, engage, and ultimately ensnare youth and teens. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's ensnare. They it really is, enjoyed that sentence. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, in the complaint, it was like, "Ooh, what?" That the, there's there's ensnare. a there's a young lawyer somewhere who said we should say ensnare, and somebody in the meeting went, "Oh, that's perfect. That's such yeah, a great right. word." The jury goes, oh, yeah. "Ensnare, not ensnare." Do we need to say ultimately ensnare? Oh my! Do we need tragically ensnare? Yeah, tragically ensnare, ultimately ensnare. Then somebody brought up Hemingway and said, "Ah, we need to remove all the adverbs," and then they moved on. (laughs) All right. Anyway, (laughs) its motive is profit, says the complaint. Children have long been appealing demographic for the business, which hopes to attract them as consumers at ages when they may be more impressionable and solidify brand loyalty. And the article goes on here. To talk a little bit more about the uh, uh, fact that <laughs> Meta's response was that it was disappointed. <laughs> we're disappointed in the lawsuit. Um, I'm sure they are. I'm sure yeah. they're very disappointed. Anyway, what is your take here? What are where are we headed with this, and what uh, what the heck is 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 going on? So um, the answer is that yes, absolutely, Meta is working to build Instagram to be as addictive as possible for every user. Right. This is sort of the goal of the whole thing. Right. Of course. And yes, we know through many, 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 many studies out there that it is unhealthy. If in, in large doses, not in small doses necessarily, but in large doses, social media usage on TikTok and Instagram specifically is very negative for mental health. Right. So those are all pretty much, True. Everybody should know this, I hope. Uh, the issue is not that. The issue that is that historically, for a long, long time, Meta, Facebook, has put no guardrails on to stop kids from signing up. They have said that they have, and they have shown things, and they have put out press releases that they have, but they have not. Kids are signing up at a very young age. They're not idiots. Uh, kids are very intuitive and smart. They figure out how they can get uh, accounts and sign up and whatever. And uh, it's actually rather still to this day, any any kid can do this. 
that knows how to work a smartphone. So they, they have to, the whole thing for this is to hopefully force meta into, this is the sad thing. If you look at what TikTok has done specifically in China with their social media apps, they have a strict one hour max per day rule for any kid on on social media. Sure. And they lock them down. Yeah. Now we would probably think that that is un-American to do that. Of course. But, well, there's but no way. That, I mean, but I'm just saying that is a that is a solution. So what is the solution that Meta can do? They they have to figure out a way to block certain people. Now whether that's um, upload, like for example, I'm Instagram verified. Did you go through this process? Yes. The Instagram. Verified? Yes. Yeah. You got your yes. check mark. I did. Right. So you I have did. to you have to upload your driver's license. Yep. Or a government ID. Yep. And it takes a little bit of time to do it. It's not all that easy to do it, but I am a huge proponent for that, to making sure that. And I think that 100%. has to happen across all of social media. Yep. And if they do, if Meta does that blanket throughout everything, that will be a game changer and that will solve this problem. But at the same time, yesterday, I think as we record this, yesterday evening, Meta came out and blew the doors off of their financial results. That's right. <laughs> Advertising there up, new users are up, everything's right. up, up, up. Yes. And in a lot of cases, because there's no guardrails. That's right. There isn't. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Well, here's my only my 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 only problem with this whole thing is that this is a little like that. Do you remember that? Okay, so remember when you <laughs> remember when we were kids and the the Wait, well, you're when you were Kids. Well, hold on. A little hold on. Hold, period, on. hold on. You're going to go with me on this. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. You're going to go with me here. Do you remember the Twisted Sister video where yes. the the guy from Animal House, the the I can't remember his name, but the guy from Animal what House. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? Yeah. Exactly. And and Twisted Sister's response to that was, I want to rock, you know. Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great video. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is to me the state's abdicating responsibility for what they should have done or should be doing, which is figuring out what the guardrails should be. In other words, instead of saying and legislating this or attempt, even attempting to legislate, they're saying basically they're, they're going out to meta and they're saying you're harming children. And what are you going to do about it? Right. And what, you know, how we don't know how to fix it, but you do. And Meta's incentive to do that is small because, as you said, they're blowing the door off their, their financial results. And so they look at it and say, well, we're doing stuff. And I, I'm, I, I have to say probably earnestly, right? There's, I think there's an er, they, they are making earnest attempts at doing things, right? Now, what they're obviously and, and trying looking to do, busy. Yes. And looking busy. Seeming we, like they're working right, on and it. And we can yes. critique that and we can say it's wrong and what they're doing is ineffective, but they're trying things because the, the assumption is, is that they know something that we don't. In other words, they know, you know, and short of stopping and preventing their, those kids, basically underage kids from actually accessing the platform. In other words, doing what you just suggested, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, limiting children to only an hour a day, which would probably mean limiting everybody to an hour a day, or in some ways creating some sort of registration system where you can't register unless you have a driver's license or you can prove the fact that you're over a certain age. 
whatever those things are, all of them mean putting handcuffs behind them, right? So they're not going to do that. They're, those are the things that they're not going to do because it would obviously true. impede their business. They're just not right. going to do that willingly, right? So we know that. They know that. But instead of us saying, hey, listen, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it for you and basically put this legislation unless you start to do some of these things yourself. Then I would think this has got more teeth. But basically this lawsuit, I mean, you know, which – Kudos to getting any any 30 states to actually agree on actually doing something in concert with each other. But I don't see this as being terribly effective until they act until there's actually a threat there to meta that is actually real. Right. And, and, you know, until they say we're going to, you know, either the federal government or state governments are going to start to limit this and be willing to do that, because, like you said, it's that's going to be seen as un-American for so many reasons. We can't even get TikTok banned, much less limitations on Facebook or Instagram. So I and they and they won't. No, it's a great point. Here's what this happens. feels so much like theater to me. Is yes. it just? That's, it, I guess is that's my point. It is. It absolutely is. Here's what happens: the 33 uh, states that are involved in this case, they settle out of court for billions of dollars. Uh, by the way, just so you know, Meta is doing about 130 plus billion dollars a year in revenue right now. Right. They'll throw billions of dollars at some yep. something. Part of that will be an advertising marketing effort to try to tell kids not to be on right. warning labels so on cigarettes. Right. We're warning yes, labels it's on cigarettes. Exactly right. what this is. And nothing is going to happen because of the in a lot of a lot of cases, because of what you just said. If they're not going to ban a Chinese owned social platform, they definitely aren't going to do anything with an American run social media group they want and i know that they've got and again we've talked about this before many times the social media the meta amazon apple microsoft have have more lobbyists in the u.s government than any other group i think even more than cigarettes it's social media is the number one because they are and they're they're going to say every time hey you do something to us restrict us china gets a leg up and they're that's throwing right. that out there at every chance they get. So well, right. this is a big bag of nothing. That's right. Stupid. That's 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 my problem with it. I mean, if you look back and you go, okay, what was it that actually stopped people from smoking? Right? It wasn't them putting the warning labels on cigarettes. That had nothing to do with it. It had nothing to do with anything that the cigarette companies did to to try and quell you know the idea that that people should stop smoking it was that we we the people made smoking unacceptable we started making policies and businesses to say you can't you can't smoke when you inside. Say, yeah, when it went in and said you couldn't smoke inside a building it that, was huge that was the right? start of it yeah, you know you absolutely. can't smoke on airplanes anymore you can't smoke inside you can't smoke you know you can't smoke and basically we you made it sort of that people were a bit of a pariah for smoking and that was what really reduced the, you know, the, the, you know, it became socially less acceptable to smoke cigarettes. And so that's what basically helped here. That's the kind of change that's going to be needed here where we all have to recognize that, the, that it's socially unacceptable to have this go on, which means that the government has to take more of a stake in this and actually have something to threaten other than just saying we're going to you know we're going to use this as a way to collect revenue right we're going to you know we're going to penalize you by you know taxing you basically te- creating a higher level tax 
and basically, you know, billing you billion, billions of dollars so that you can fund all these things. It's like, that's not, that's just theater to me. Yeah. So basically the story will amount to nothing. It'll amount to a settlement. Ultimately, I think, I mean, I think there's, there's settlements coming, right? There's going to be settlements coming, right? That's, that's, that will be the news. And I'm sure we'll report on that. I'm sure we'll report on the fact that, you know, they settled with X, you know, they've settled with New York. They settled with California. They settled with 33 of the state's attorneys generals and Facebook will pay a hefty, hefty, hefty fine. And they're going to put together programs and there will be a new funded, you know, they'll, they'll use the money that is being generated by Facebook to create a new independent council. Uh, I'm sure the word, you know, sort of, uh, czar will be, you know, a social media czar will be elect. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it's just annoying. It's, it's, you know, I, I don't want to be the big curmudgeon here, but I tend to be, but Pam and I were at the airport the other day waiting and we're just sitting, standing, talking, waiting to get on the plane. And there's probably 150 people that we can see. Uh, at our gate at the airport at Cleveland yeah. Hopkins. And maybe three people were not on their phones. Right. I mean, every one of them. And we're like, oh my God, like this is, you know, and then we, we even mentioned it's like, what, in, in 1950, where it was everybody smoking? And was that the thing that everybody was doing? Well, now today it's everyone is is looking at their screens and specifically probably on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, or the older generation, maybe that was Facebook. So. Yeah, or yeah, TikTok or you know something. Yeah, consuming media basically. Consuming, yeah. consuming media. Looking down, not talking to anyone. Well, speaking of which, we're going to cover our last story here very quickly, which is that uh, tr- trust in that media has reached a 2016 low, which 2016 was the lowest of lows of lows of lows, uh, but it has now matched that, this uh, coming courtesy of Gallup itself, uh, basically opening up by saying that 32% of Americans who say they trust the mass media a great deal or a fair amount to report the news in full and fair and accurate ways has tied Gallup's lowest historical reading previously recorded in 2016. Although trust in media currently matches the historical low, it was statistically similar in 2021, 36%, and 2022, 34%. Another 29% of U.S. adults have not very much trust, while a record high 39% register none at all. Uh, This nearly 4 in 10 Americans who completely lack confidence in the media is the highest on record by one percentage point. It is 12 points higher than the 2016 reading, which came amid sharp criticisms of the media from then-presidential candidate Donald Trump, making the current assessment of the media the grimmest in Gallup's history. In 2016, U.S. adults were most likely to say that they had not very much trust at all. And then there's a graph here uh, that basically shows where no, none at all has now crossed over all the rest of them uh, and is now higher, is basically crossed yeah. over some trust or a lot of trust. Uh, and so fascinating. Um, this what is, do you make of this? I mean, this, I mean, this is why we can't put, put it back in the box here. I yeah. mean, th- I'm just looking, this is a great little chart, by the way, we'll put this in the show notes Yeah. in, I'm just clicking it. So this is 1976 only 4% had no faith yeah. in the media at the time. That's, That's right. up to 40% now. Yeah. At that same time, 72% had a great deal of confidence in media. I mean- and that's look, down to 32%. So yeah. basically, everyone's getting their own feeds. 
Yep. You, depending on which side you're getting, it doesn't really matter because one saying all, all the other stuff is fake, and the other side saying all the other stuff is fake. But look when it, here's where we are. Yeah, and and but it's interesting to me, like if you literally draw the line, it's it's when access to 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 the siloed media came around, right? So. 1978 is when it really seemed to, you know, it doesn't seem to have, it, it, maybe you can argue that it's accelerated a little bit, you know, if you were to draw the sort of median line, you know, between 1973 and, and 2023, you yeah. know, which is what, f- uh, 50 years. Um, and so, but it looks like basically it's been a steady increase. It's been steady it's increase, been, steady decrease from, in trust. since the advent of cable TV, right? So, what, what we saw was siloed media basically is the cause of, of the lack of trust. So in other words, when we only had three networks, there was, there was basically a, a lot of trust and the addition of, you know, the, you know, famous Bruce Springsteen, 500 channels and nothing on basically was the, was the instigator. And it's only been accelerating a little bit since the internet. Right. And now you it's, have thousands. Yeah. And, and well, thousands, but, well, millions. I mean, infinite, right? I yeah, mean, in, amount infinite of amount of sure. media, but the, the channels still are owned by a lot of the same people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the 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 aggregation of all of those things. You know, you sort of saw a, a mass dispersion, and then you sort of had an aggregation. You know, sort of coming back together. Where, you know, we've talked about many times in this show where it, media companies have to be, you know tiny or huge in order to attract an audience and if you're huge you're 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 obviously trying to create a broader swath of uh of an audience and so thus what you do is you silo that you you silo it even from yourself right you know you think of a a warner discovery right where there's definitely silos of audiences based in you know based in different channels yeah so if it continues, you basically will have the majority of people that don't trust media at all. And there's nothing, is there, there's nothing we can do about this. Is it, this is just happening. Well, I think no, the opportunity I think is so it, you know, I, I think this was made. So Edelman of course does their trust barometer every year. And, and basically by the way, found a very similar thing this year. Um, well, I think that that one was about business Media in general, the media was not as trustworthy, the Correct. lowest amount, but they trusted businesses right. more. Well, this is the thing. It's like people don't trust media. They trust people, right? So they, or they, or they trust their, 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 you know, their collectives, right? Their, you know, their, their, their groups, their communities that they've become siloed into. And it's interesting because uh, I go back and I should probably do some writing on this, but I go back to there's a there there was a, a very interesting corollary that happened in the U.S. back in the late 1800s when newspapers began to become a commoditized uh, you know the the ability to create newspapers became commoditized, and so you saw the the growth of what were then called penny papers which were basically free newspapers built around 
tribal communities, right? So whether mm-hmm. politics or religion or local newspapers or local community groups or even businesses, we talked a lot about that. We used to talk about old business newspapers, you know, um, uh, back when we were, when we were doing examples of this old marketing and all of those things created this. Ama- so what it was the birth of which we all learned in history class was the birth of yellow journalism, right? Yep. Where you had such uh, a huge amount of gossip and lies and misinformation in these newspapers that were meant to basically sell newspapers. Um, and so the thing that stopped it was when the government stepped in, the U.S. Supreme Court stepped in and started talking about the rights of privacy to sort of made some um, interesting judgments on the way that privacy would be held and the way that media could be held accountable for privacy as well as accuracy and information. And so I think... Without that, um, without some big sort of either community-driven or government-driven idea, this just continues. I mean, this is this is what we've been talking about, right? Whether or not the government will actually step in and say it is social media's responsibility or it is, you know, the the responsibility of these companies to put accurate information out into the world and and be responsible for it, because. We clearly can't be right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I, that so many people have said Twitter is the town square. It's not. It's the town. Twitter is the town. It's not the town square. It's basically everybody has a has a voice there and, it, and, and is throwing it out willy nilly. So it's it's anyway, I get off on a rant, but that's the. I think it's I think it's a challenge, but I think it's an opportunity for businesses. I think it's an well, opportunity for marketing. And I have I have in my rave. I'm going to talk a little bit about this. So it has something to do yeah. with the opportunities there. Well, let's talk about that. Let's get to rants and raves. Let's okay. let's get to our rants and raves here. So uh, this is where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, oh, it makes us feel like Travis Kelsey when Taylor's in attendance or Travis Kelsey when Tra- Taylor isn't in attendance. That's what do you we think call that- do you Definitely think that he back, looks folks. up there and doesn't see her and then goes like, wah, wah. well, he knows, like, he knows when she's going to come or we're not going to come. I have to imagine. It's not like they yeah, go because, because if he's in more plays, friend shows up, she's there. Yeah. If he's, if he's, if he's going to get targeted 13 times, Taylor's in attendance. If he gets That's targeted right. five times, she's not coming. That's right. That's well, then you look at the, so does the opposing coach look up to go, Ooh, is Taylor here today? Because that's my weather barometer. Yes. Or whether I need to yes. double Kelsey. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause the opposing coach probably served under Jim Harbaugh. There Michigan. it is. There it is. So there, there you go. It's <laughs> such a random. <laughs> Cause the, the whole random. scandal that they're, the whole Michigan. Scandal oh, I right gotcha. Okay. Anyways, I'm All not right. going to talk about. Wow. There you Michigan go. Why don't you go right. first and then I'll go second. Okay. You go, go. So do what yeah. You're so do. here, uh, so, so this is kind of leads into what we were just talking about. This is a great newsletter from our friend Robert Katai, B2B creator. I'll put this in the show notes, but it's entitled The Next Big Thing in Marketing from Content Creation to Cultivating Creators. And the thing that Robert's been talking about a lot is instead of um, your your content brand or your your brand itself trying to build a relationship with your audience through whatever content initiative you have, you focus on a creator within your organization. So he's calling this the B2B creator. And in this case, there's a couple of really good case studies in this whole thing. But the whole idea behind this is instead of, let me give you an uh, example with like Red Bull. So you have Red Bull, let's say Red Bull's doing a newsletter. So you have, you could have been initially 20, 30 years ago, it could have come from 
Red Bull. And then it moved to like the content brand. It moves from Red Bull to Red Bulletin is the content brand. But now today, the opportunity, because of the things we're talking about with trust hmm. and the opportunity to identify with an individual, which makes it even more trustworthy, you have the core creator within that Red Bull organization being the face. You connect with that person, that yeah. creator individually, and you're getting a lot more. And so the, this article from Robert goes into a couple of companies that basically in on Twitter, they took off the logos of their companies and put on the CEOs or put on the key creators picture next to that company on Twitter or on threads or whatever it is to say, Hey, we're, we're, here's the, here's the person leading this charge. And I talked about this. I thought I talked about this at marketing pros B2B uh, quite a bit where I said, it's tough move, but you have to have faith instead of your email newsletters coming from whoever, your company, your sure. content brand, have admin, them come from an individual. Right. Yeah, don't have them come from admin or that's right, corporate that, or it, whatever. It yeah. should be directly from that individual. Yeah. It should be from Robert Rose or Joe Polizzi. And if that person wants the content, that it should be like that's where we have to be today with our content marketing if we want to be successful. So I just like this whole approach, and I think that that there's the we talked about trust a second ago. That's the opportunity. The opportunity is we trust individuals. So it's going to be so much easier for you as a content brand to lift up your creator. Um, so that's where I think instead of just creating another content marketing program, hey, we can go ahead and say, oh, this creator here, this podcast here, this video series here led by this person that is already trusted. There are some risks there. It's not easy yeah. for a lot of pe- companies to no, do no, that, it's, but it's, the ones that can. Well, yeah. So anyways, that's the first one. And the second one was, um, I'll just put this up here. Uh, TikTok is is they're they're doing live music events now, I, and and I I think that this is a really smart move that they're getting into the event business. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> I think I think there's such an opportunity oh, with events and print right oh, now. I cannot course. tell you. So I love the fact that TikTok is or they're going around doing their the music experience from TikTok. So this is what we're showing right now is from TikTok yeah. site and announcing TikTok in the mix. You know I am not a TikTok fan at all, but it's a really smart move to start going around the totally. country and doing these events. Well, this is what's going to this is where this is my prediction for next year, which is where all the social media platforms that survive are going to become much more media-like and much less social, right? I mean, it's going to become much more content consumption than it is content creation. So that what that means is that there is an opportunity just to tie your two, your two stories together, a, a, an opportunity for creators to become the media through social media by which that which gets consumed, right? But, it, but success will no longer be measured by engagement or number of comments, et cetera. It'll be by number of people who consume your content and then yeah. do something, right? That basically take an action out of that, right? So uh, it, if, you, if you look at, and we've ta- we talked about this in Killing Marketing, if you yeah. talk about building trust with somebody, yep. that in-person component is critical. Huge. Huge. So what is that event experience that you have with your customers? Apple, of course, does this really, really, really well, which is why Apple is Apple. So yep. we need to figure that out as, as we move forward. And, and Microsoft obviously is trying to figure this out as well. So right. I think a lot of companies have been, they, they've forgotten a little bit of that in-person and print and other types of experiences and they've opt for 100% digital. And I think that's a mistake. Yep. 100%. All right. 100%. What do you got, Okay. Brother? 
Uh, so two quick things here. One is a quick rave, um, and we'll just link to it in the show notes because I think it's just an interesting little data point for us to take going forward. Uh, basically, uh, D.C., Washington, D.C., has the council has put a plan in place, the first of its kind ever, uh, that would issue government-funded vouchers to city residents to donate to local journalism outlets of their choice. Um fascinating uh, program here. Basically, the bill, if it gets passed and it hasn't passed yet, would mark the first time that a local news voucher program would be implemented by a local government here in the U.S. Huge step forward. I think this is really a fascinating thing and an interesting idea to fund local journalism. Um, I'm, (laughs) as ever, hopeful that one of the things that could come out of this would not be that the 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 government has to fund it. I would see this could be this could just as easily be set up through a nonprofit funded by business. Um, and so I just think there's a really interesting idea here, which is basically subsidize local journalism because it's just not a great business model right now. Um, but uh, it's such an important piece of our the fabric of our country and the fabric of what it is we do. So. I just love it and wanted to wanted to throw it out there. Well, I a, love that idea. Well. And and then so this is great. But the other thing on top of this is, and we've talked about this many times. If you get the core HQ companies in your local city to band together and build a consortium yeah, to fund I this, just, yeah. I think it's a no-brainer. It's such goodwill, it's such great marketing as well. And you're supporting Local journalism, there's there's nothing more pure, right? Yep. <laughs> to do that is to support your local coverage of your sports games That's right. and what's going on at city council. And it's yeah. not being done because you're right, it's a bad business model. That's right. Today. And and brands are just so afraid of getting tacked into the negativity of, of investigative journalism or what's going on in government or what's going on in the local, you know, police department or yep. fires or burglaries or you know, whatever the news regularly covers, that that's been a piece of friction. And I just think it's, uh, I think it's a, a, a false fear. I don't think they need to be afraid of it. And you got, um, our, you got one more quick one. One very, very quickly. Uh, basically uh, we'll also link to this. Uh, it's just, and I don't mean to throw this article under the bus and I yes, certainly don't mean do. to throw this. I, I don't, I really don't. I really don't. I've just, this is a sample of what I'm seeing a lot of recently, which is the headlines in terms of Marketing needs better marketing. It's like, okay, okay, I, I you know, I, thank you. Um, and basically, the, the I, I've, see, I've just seen this over the course of the last, I don't know, two months, three months, which is all of these at conference sessions, keynotes, uh, all this kind of thing. Uh, where the headlines are, and this and this is what sort of set me off or sort of grinds my gears or whatever you want to say, basically, it's these four bullet points, right? The need for CMOs to better explain and demonstrate marketing's commercial value to internal audiences. I'm, how often have we seen that, right? How, how It's almost a cliche at this point that CMOs are struggling to make the case to their CEOs or their board or their internal audiences about what it is they're doing to demonstrate marketing's value. The on second bullet, the ongoing battle between short-term and long-term marketing, or how an illusion of control in today's decentralized marketing landscape keeps marketers from exercising their still considerable influence on what people think and do. The pervasiveness of dullness, too much marketing's output, and difference between missing the mark and missing the point. How data proves we are not using data very well. I mean, all of these are such hackneyed ideas. It's nothing new here, right? And so 
Uh, and, and again, I don't mean to throw this particular article under the bus, although it's sort of the quintessential example of stuff that I'm seeing, which is that marketers struggle to basically justify their existence. And it goes back to that thing that I talked about two shows ago, which was this whole idea that CEOs, senior leadership, investors, whatever sort of audience we're talking about, they love great marketing. They don't love marketers. And that's always been the case. It's ever, It's been the case going 100 years ago. It's been the case. Nobody likes watching marketers struggle, fight in the arena, get in there and battle every day. But they love sort of strong brands, strong marketing, super creative viral campaigns. Everybody loves great work until they don't. And, and it's like, I, I just what I'd like to do is change that conversation, right? Change that conversation. It's like, okay, we know that CMOs need to explain better to their thing, but what is it that CEOs or the audiences should learn to understand? Because it's not that, you know, it's not that we haven't tried to tell the story in, in so many different ways. It's that some, for some reason, they don't get it. And so I just, I, there's an interesting corollary, which is if basically we're, banging our heads against the wall forever, it might not be about us, right? It might not be about marketing. And so that's all I want to do is say like, okay, I, 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 we get it. We get it. It's hard to be in marketing these days. This is well, why yeah. we are marketers. We, we love the challenge. We love what we do. You know, it's great if you're at a party or you're talking to people and they say, what do you do for a living? You say, I'm in marketing. It's a real yeah. quick end of the conversation. Yeah. So- it just is what they, or, if you don't know, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Right. You know, if you don't know, you don't. Well, you know what happens is, is that I, what I find is, is that everybody tells me, you know, when, when it's like, oh, I'm in marketing and I help, you know, marketers and, and help them sort of help them tell their story better, whatever it is I say at a, at a party. And they all go, you know what I hate about marketing? You know what I, you know what, you know what really bugs me about marketers? You know, it's like, and so it's always sort of that kind of response. It's like, okay, tell me what you, you know, tell me your problem. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like I'm a biochemical engineer. You know what right. I hate about biochemical yeah, that's engineering? That's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? You know, the only other person, the only other profession that I think can identify with this is lawyers, right? Lawyers and accountants, I think. Yeah. Because uh, accounts to a certain degree, but even but, that is considered sort of a specialty skill. Well, but that's it's the same thing that your your uh your example fits. It's like I don't like attorneys and lawyers, but I love really good lawyering. Exactly. That's exactly. I love, right. I love when that's right. I don't like accountants, but I love when my numbers work. That's right. So that's right. Crazy. So that's right. Anyways. All right. What are you doing this week? What's what's going on? Uh, we are getting ready for our big night at the races for Orange Effect Foundation. It's coming up Friday, November 3rd. Thank you, sir. Robert, I, for do your donation. I'm um, sponsoring a race. I don't even know what that means, but I, I, I'm super happy to do you're it. You're super really happy. Cool. You're going to have your, your name at the top or whatever okay. you want at the top. And it's going to be announced uh, to everyone that the, I wanted that to race. have a picture of you like doing something goofy. That's what I really uh, want. If that's what you want to submit okay. as your logo, I'm sure that. That somebody will let you do that. Uh, but anyways, I have right now. So everybody listening, I have 20 more horse names that I need to sell. Robert, you can't buy any more. You've already given it up. All right. So, so I need, it's $20 a piece. Go to oefraces.com. That's oefraces.com. And you'll see that it's 20 bucks a piece for a horse name. You get to submit the horse name of your choosing. 
if it's if it's my horse name, you know, I know my horse name is called Travis Swift. It's my my horse name. <laughs> That's pretty Travis good. Swift coming That's around the bend. That's here goes good. here goes Travis. He's going okay. Anyways, so right. if you have an okay. opportunity, it goes to a great cause. All the money goes to kids who need speech therapy but cannot support it. That's been our effort for Orange Vec Foundation for the last. 15 years. Oh my gosh. 15 years we've been doing this thing. So thank you to those of support. I, I can't promise that I'm not going to go buy a horse. I can't, I can't promise <laughs> that. I, I can't promise you that I'm not going to, because I have so many names that are good. Monkey butt would be a good one. Uh, but there, oh, there's dude. some, there's some really interesting names. It's going yeah. to be very difficult for the announcer. I think to get through some of these. Okay. As they call out, as the basically, it. for those of you that don't know, if you've been a night at the races, you see an old simulcast. We don't know where it's been, yeah. but that's the race for that one. We have 10, 10 races. Yeah. So we watch that go. And it's then fantastic. the 10 horses' names are the names that people have purchased. Yeah. So the guy calls. So, anyways, it's, it's, and you, you bet on them. And if you win, you win. Yeah. So that's what do you got going on? Uh, work mainly, I mean, I actually have some client travel coming up here in the next couple of weeks, you know, we're going to, so we're going to do a couple of special episodes for that. And, um, and yeah, just, just getting, just working on client stuff and enjoying the much cooler weather here in LA and watching a little football. That's it. And, and, so, and we've got know, the big life as usual. We've got the big 400th episode coming 400 up, next week. I think we're going yeah. to celebrate by doing an hour-long podcast. Well, we have a little surprise. I think we have a surprise. If, if you get on it, if you get on it, we have a little surprise. Oh, I'll get on it. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. I have time this week. I'll make I'll make time. There it's you go. All right. I will make time. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for hanging in there, everybody. We, uh, of course, went over like we always do. Um, but uh, until next week, until we see you again, well, and it will be our 400th episode, by the way. So until we see you then, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. <laughs>